Good morning, church. Uh, sorry we can't be with you in person this morning. We've had a couple of COVID cases confirmed in the family and the kids uh, just yesterday afternoon, uh, but still wanted to be with you to share the continuation of the Minister's Series. So I hope you get a lot out of it, and we hope to see you in person very soon. So the big question of the last two weeks on the internet, are you Team Wheels or are you Team Doors? You may not have heard of this. It's a, it's a very new uh, thing that's come around uh, just in March this year. Uh, and what people are doing are debating the merits of a simple question, rather inconsequential one, but a simple question. What are there more of in the world? Wheels or doors? What do you think? Which team are you on? Which one do you think you could rationalise and uh, make a good case for? Here's some arguments or uh, thoughts for you. Uh, Some people sharing thoughts. I would have thought there are more doors than wheels because cars have four wheels, but then if you think about cars, uh, they often have as many wheels as doors. Maybe it's a four-door with a boot, but it's got four wheels and a steering wheel, so maybe they cancel each other out. What about skyscrapers with thousands of doors reaching into the sky? But what about the office chairs? Most office chairs have five wheels. Hmm, how do we balance that out? And then you might think of, well, for everybody in the office building, there's going to be a number of cars probably in the parking building below. Maybe they caught public transport, but you know, it's going to be a number of wheels and doors and on those cars. So where does it start? Where does it stop? One argument came across in favour of Team Doors. Does anyone remember Monsters, Inc? See all those doors flying around? The whole thing was built on doors. Hmm. Makes you think. Maybe I'm Team Doors after all. In that 30 seconds of inspiration, has your view changed? Maybe you just thought about it briefly. I'm, oh, surely there's more wheels or surely there's more doors, but oh, I hadn't thought about that. Has your view changed? Hmm. Now, why do I bring up the wheels and doors debate? Well, I think it fits perfectly and helps us illustrate a few things today. Not sure how? Well, stay with me. Well, last week was the first week of our new series, Ministers, following on from building community that Pastor Chris and Vicky uh, took us through in February. To revisit last week, we started off by understanding we all have a service. You, me, everybody in our church, we all have a service, a ministry. Not just the pastors of our church, not just the ministers. We are all ministers. Remember the question floated last week, which is more important, preaching a sermon, being eloquent, or plumbing a house, like I'm sitting in right now. The fact is, we are all placed uniquely to serve the people in our world. Think about that. We're all placed uniquely in what we call the marketplace. And to explain the marketplace again, basically, anywhere outside of what we might define as the four walls of the church, the the church building. 
wherever our church community goes and spends their time during the week. It's the intersection of business, of commerce, of trade, of arts, of entertainment, education, the intersection of social demographics, where we spend our social time. That's the marketplace. Now, I hear there was some great discussion started dinner parties this week and some curiosity as to what is next. So here goes. A couple of big questions to throw at you that I hinted at last week. Can Christians be a part of business? Publicly owned enterprise? Maybe not-for-profit organisation? Or a government agency that is committed to many non-Christian values? Where do you work at the moment? Where do you spend your time? What are you considering as a future opportunity? Have you thought about, can I as a Christian be a part of an organisation that I feel like is committed to many non-Christian values? And not just be a part of one, but what about be a leader in one? Hmm. Think on that for a minute. What does that mean? What are the implications for you and me? I'm sure some of you are listening right now in the church building, at home, or on the podcast saying, yeah, that's me. I'm in one of those places. Now, not presuming the answer to the, the first part about being a part of one of those, and or potentially being a leader, but if Christians can be a part of these organizations or leading them, then how do we do that? How do we do that to honor Jesus and to live and be true to our Christian faith? These are the questions I'm posing this morning in somewhat of a rhetorical sense to get us thinking more about our place, our ministry in the marketplace, our place and ministry in the world. While I might give you some answers this morning, I want to get you thinking and praying about your place, your ministry, and what is next for you. Now, one thing I miss about our current social environment is the ability to disagree on something and still have respect and conversation and good relationship. I remember growing up in primary school and high school, one of my best friends, we were polar opposites in so many views views, uh, personality traits. Uh, he, he was of certain views and I was of others and we were kind of pretty firm in those views, but we would robustly challenge each other and still go and watch the cricket at the end of the day and, and have a good time together. But I feel like our social environment has changed. Do you? I feel like there are expectations in certain groups or belief systems that you have to agree on issues or else labels might be thrown around and maybe relationships break down all because of one, one issue or difference of opinion. There can be demands to be accepting or tolerant, but if you don't agree on everything that I agree on or we don't agree on my viewpoints, I will label you, or we can't have proper relationship. We can't have hardened team wheels or team doors people getting on without labels of being wheelsist or adorophobe. 
Now, that's, all, that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I find this approach to various issues we have, uh, hot topics at the moment, so problematic to a very basic level, where it's actually nothing to do with the issue, nothing to do with the point of discussion. It's just missing the humanity in the process. The fact that there are people coming to these views and coming to an understanding People are involved in the process. Humans aren't perfect. We haven't lived all our experiences yet. We're still learning. And that's on both sides. People can change. Views can change. How we bring our faith to situations and understand different views and topics and uh, contexts in the world, that can change too. God doesn't change. But people can change. What about the people who aren't on either team? Lo and behold, there might be people that aren't team wheels or team doors. They might be somewhere in between. See, there can be a certain pride and lack of humility in that behaviour if we don't allow for this. When we lose our ability to disagree on matters such as wheels and doors, we start creating echo chambers where we can only hear the same conversations and viewpoints amongst team doors or team wheels. We can put up walls. We can withdraw from relationships. If we can't agree, then we might isolate ourselves and then we are further from the discussion on doors and wheels. So what does this have to do with you and me being ministers in the marketplace. Well, while I don't have all views on all topics represented in my world, I happily get along with people of many different backgrounds and experiences. And I know that I would disagree on some, some issues and topics. They are team wheels or team doors, and it is okay. I have people in my family that are very doors people on that end of the discussion, some that are very much into wheels. And I work very closely with a number of people who clearly have different opinions on wheels and doors too. Based on current environments and behaviours, I'm pretty sure that if all my opinions and views were known on wheels and doors, it could lead to reduced relationships from the other side, either socially or professionally. And that's okay, going back to the humanity thing, just thinking now that when we bring in the wisdom and, and on these topics, sometimes our views are still forming in, in this way. So sharing them at that point isn't necessarily the right thing to do. See, it is us stepping into the gifts of wisdom and grace, as talked about in the New Testament, that allow us to be parts of a relationship where you know you disagree. Or maybe you don't know what you think quite yet, or you're still forming that view on doors or wheels. And it's all about without having to shout that we disagree because of the humanity, because of the relationship. We love without expecting agreement in return. I'm sure Jesus disagreed with many views and people he came across, but he time and time again displayed an openness to create dialogue and extend grace and mercy to people that society disliked immensely. And hey, some of them became his disciples 
or his closest followers. In time, I'm sure their views on wheels and doors probably changed a little bit too. But Jesus accepted them all, reached out a hand, and became they became some of his closest followers. Excuse me. Now, a problem that can occur when somebody gets so stuck on a view is it becomes part of their identity. It becomes a point of pride. And that becomes a tricky situation because then to adjust your view means to adjust your identity. It requires to swallow our pride, to make that adjustment. Now, Christians, we're very much at risk of this. If the view is part of ideology instead of clear doctrine and dogma, Maybe it's not clearly biblically based, but it's based off a, a bunch of opinions and things that are popular and things that we think the Bible should say or think that Jesus is about. But our ideology is not our identity. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is as believers first and foremost. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. When your identity is in Christ, views, opinions and other beliefs can come and go and you are still okay. So how do we carry this into the workplace? How do you carry being a minister into a workplace with potentially a very different set of views, values, behaviours exhibited? How do you handle tasks that seemingly support and promote views or, will, views or values on wheels or doors that are different to yours? Is the Christian behaviour to support, to challenge, to protest or promote in these instances? For example, just last night we've had a change of our state government. Now, what if you... You, you, you might have opinions on that uh, as an individual and as a voter and that's fine and I uh, hope you uh, got the opportunity to vote yesterday or in advance. Yeah, what if you're a little bit closer to that situation? What if you're a public servant and your preference was team wheels or team doors but now the other is leading and setting your work agenda? For us in a corporate environment or just in any workplace, corporate strategies change, bosses change, causes and mission can change for organisations that you and I are part of. What if it shifts to team wheels or team doors and we're avidly on the other side? Now, for me personally, I work in marketing and sometimes communications. I'm sometimes asked to handle work that isn't aligned to a personal view of mine, but I still do, while being wise in how I handle and or put my support to the work. I can do the work, but whether I say statements about I'm aligned or I agree on the intent or the message behind the work, I'm wise about the, the wording and how I handle myself in those situations. But there are some clear boundaries. As well as applying a bit of wisdom, there are some clear boundaries. Am I getting asked or being told or ordered to do something that will lead me to sin? 
If so, I find wise ways to work around that situation. Is my conscience affected working there? Maybe my conscience can't handle uh, or isn't comfortable handling the type of work because of the issues and the content and uh, the environment that is. That's fine. No, no, no pressure there. People are at different stages of understanding maturity and faith and um, the New Testament talks a lot about conscience and not doing things to cause others to stumble, even though we might be in a different position and understanding of our faith and conscience. Uh, but at the same time, we don't understand your workplace and what you need to go through. And uh, as a mature believer, it might still be a trouble. So it is better to remove yourself from that situation if it is troubling your conscience and affecting your faith. But there's some, some wisdom also in working there until you could find something elsewhere. Still, to have the money coming in, be wise to paying bills, looking after family, there is wisdom that we can apply. But that's not, I'm not seeking to provide answers for all situations. So speak to your pastors, speak to leaders in the church, speak to other Christians and seek advice and wise counsel. Go to prayer, go to the word as well. Now, I'll give you an example of a very clear story. When I was about 18 or 19, I was working in a petrol station as a, in the server in a little beachside uh, suburb in Christchurch. And the owners and one of the customers had come up with this system where they were processing cigarettes through the fuel cart. Uh, they were basically working out the value of the cigarettes and putting it through fuel, so it would be a tax deduction for the... Uh, he was a tradie, a builder, I think. Uh, so, you know, that's a little bit suspicious. Now, the first couple of times, I just kind of got told, this when this customer comes in, you do this, and I kind of wasn't sure. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, it didn't sit right. But then... Uh, after uh, it's stewing and being less comfortable with it and realizing that I was essentially being asked to lie, well, not essentially, I was being asked to lie um, and to help some to help somebody out with their taxes and their smoking habit, um, kind of in, in ways that were beyond grey, weren't, weren't good. Um, I, one time the customer came in and asked me to do it. I said, look, I'm sorry, I'm just not comfortable doing that. So he's like, okay, no problem. I'll just go talk to one of the mechanics. And so he, he went and talked to the owner. And and then just from that point on, whenever that customer came along, uh, one of the mechanics or the, the manager, people that had the long-term relationship, they came and did the transaction. I wasn't part of it. I wasn't enabling it. Uh, I was comfortable that I had made a stand for what was right myself. Uh, my, my conscience, my, my faith were clear. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily a great situation to, to still be around or, or kind of know that was some of the uh, accounting practices in the workplace, but I, I, was, I was okay. I had done what I felt I needed to do, and uh, I felt like I also... Uh, kept and grew respect with the management and leadership because they knew that they could trust me and I, I stood up for what I believed in and, and other times I was uh, helping to 
um, catch somebody, one of the staff who was stealing uh, on, on weekends. So uh, it, it, it helped build a trusted relationship because I stood for my values um, in that workplace. So hopefully that story might be helpful uh, for some of you. But see, the Bible is a funny place if you really want to know how to handle being in a team wells or team doors environment when you are of the other view. We talked about maybe being a public servant. The Bible talks about submitting to the rulers of the land because God put them there. It talks about if you're a slave, honour your master. There are some things that are hard to swallow if you're in a, in a workplace, but they give us some guidance. And I want to uh, finish off a bit later talking about Daniel and some examples we can learn from Daniel being in the marketplace in an environment which you wouldn't say is particularly friendly to his culture. So, back to the big question. Can a Christian be part of the marketplace or even lead there? In the words of Tim Keller, Presbyterian minister from New York City, he says, and I quote, Some say no. They say if you're the CEO of a secular space, you must impose Christian moral values on all of it or else not take the job. I believe, quoting Tim Keller, this is often behind the guilt by association attacks made at Christians, making them responsible for every action, program and directive that company or agency enacts. You allowed that kind of movie to be produced? How could you? This is short-sighted. Still quoting, obviously they can't they can be salt and light there, making those places better through their faithful presence. In fact, if they were not at these organizations, we can imagine how the world would be a lot worse without them. End quote. It's a bit of a simplified or a reductionist approach. And often many believers uh, will follow that. But we, we can't uh, fit the careers of the likes of Daniel or even Joseph in that. For instance, and this blows my mind when you think about the life of Daniel. Daniel allows himself to be addressed by a Babylonian name, Belteshazzar. It's in Daniel 4.9 which wasn't just a name from another culture, just to assimilate and be part of that culture. Belteshazzar, the very first part, Bel, honoured the god Bel. So he was quite happy to be represented and addressed by a name that honoured a foreign god. That's just mind-blowing to some of the views that we might have as Christians today. He also received a thoroughly Babylonian education, which we see in Daniel 1, yet kept his distinct beliefs. And we see that in the food he ate and drank just to, uh, he chose the wise ways to set himself apart, but he still did receive that very same education. Daniel did refuse to worship anyone but God in, Dan in Daniel 6. So he didn't go as far as sinning by not having Lord uh, as number one, and he conducts his own work and life with love, integrity, and faithfulness of a believer. And Harry basically saves the life of himself, but all the other wizards and um, people and mysteries in that culture because he interpreted the king's dreams. 
but he still acted with love, integrity, and faithfulness. And this is really interesting to think about. So Daniel, he was serving high up in a pagan hierarchy. He was serving a foreign dictator, came to his land, took his people to another country, and he was serving the king, helping the king with interpretation of dreams, being uh, a ruler and authority in his kingdom. Sure, Daniel was taken as a slave, acknowledge that. So it was probably serve or die. But he still chose to honour the king, serve the king, and help in any way he could. It's just, just amazing. Imagine in conflicts that are happening in our world at the moment, that same situation. Imagine as a Christian going to honour and serve your captor. Now, that's kind of the extreme end, but what about in our workplaces, environments that we're not quite so comfortable with? See, Daniel served high up in a pagan hierarchy, but he also doesn't appear to use his power to force others beneath him to worship God or obey God's law. And Joseph's career is very similar. Daniel models to us how we can, one, be a believer, two, live out our values, Three, be okay in a pagan world or pagan organisation or secular environment while still growing in influence and leadership. Do you want to know more? Go read the book of Daniel. It's not a super long book, the first first half in particular, the stories, and uh, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Let's give each other the grace to be placed in a marketplace where we are. Even better, like Daniel or Joseph, let's go into these spaces ourselves. Let's give people around us the grace to be team wheels or team doors and still be a part of their world and have them as a part of our world. If we are on one of those teams and aren't sure where our views fit, maybe they're changing. Maybe people are talking to us and we're working that out. Maybe we're consulting the Bible and in prayer and still understanding these views. Maybe we're processing how those views might line up with our faith. Please talk to someone. Seek wise counsel. Go to the Word. Go to prayer. But bounce it off. Being part of community is providing that opportunity to share and understand and discover together. Faith and views on wheels and doors can have quite interesting intersections. They are not necessarily dependent on each other. What might be considered issues or political views or hot topics and faith, they're not always directly connected. And I think much has been caused by aligning Christianity with either wheels or doors exclusively. Sometimes it's not quite as uh, black and white. Sure, there's some areas of sin, clear and easy. But other issues of culture and um, how how we do our our part to be part of the marketplace and how to to bring wisdom and what that version of wisdom looks like can, can come from different places. But... Just aligning Christianity with just what either view is sometimes problematic and, and can be damaging. There are many ways to achieve great outcomes in certain topics and issues in our world. And those views can even vary amongst Christians. And that is okay. 
Let's be part of community. Let's be discussing these. Let's be giving each other the grace and understanding that people are out in the marketplace. They are ministering. They are part of uh, places that we don't understand and pressures and environments. But let's bring that together in dinner parties. Let's bring that together on Sunday, where we are today. Going for coffee across the road, where we share, we help each other, we pray for each other. Because we are all ministers. We're all called to minister. We're all gifted and appointed and placed in a unique environment. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to accept Jesus to be your Lord, your Saviour, accept his forgiveness of sins, I want to provide that opportunity today. It's a simple prayer that you can pray. If you're watching online, there'll be a button in the chat. If you're in the service, there'll be people after the service that would love to pray with you. Simple prayer. Sorry, thank you, please. Sorry, God, for the things I have done, the sins I have committed. Please come into my life. Make it anew. Thank you for what you did on the cross. It doesn't matter what order you get those in, but that's that's kind of a, a basic way of saying that prayer. So say that prayer today. Do it online, talk to somebody about that, and we'd love to help you with the next steps of making that decision and becoming a disciple and a minister for Jesus. Have a great week.